Hi, it's Amy Siskin of The Weekly List and author of the book, The List, and welcome to episode 104 of The Weekly List podcast, which accompanies week 187 of The Weekly List website, theweeklylist.org, that corresponds to the week ended June 13th, 2020. Welcome. So folks, what can we say? We are in the midst of unprecedented times. Since we've been talking on this podcast, it was unprecedented that we had, for the first time, somebody trying to overthrow our democracy and turn it into an authoritarian state. That situation remains and escalates. Now we add on to it a pandemic that has claimed 115,000 Americans in a short time, and there's no end in sight You're going to hear a lot more about the pandemic this week after a couple of weeks of not hearing about it, as a number of states that reopened too early are starting to pay the price. Add on top of that the social unrest and a leader of our country who refuses to hear from them. Protests continue. Social unrest continues. Uh, A country is burning up in hate and division because instead of Doing something about these important issues that have plagued our country, Trump is gaslighting and dividing. And we're going to go through all that this week. Uh, But it's hard to, you know, put into words how much is happening at once in this country. Um, You know, again, these three things, as you know, we said jokingly a few weeks ago that it was a mixture of 1918, 1968, and 1929, the Great Depression all in one. Um, these times that we are living in are exhausting. As, as one person said to me that I saw walking this morning, I wake up every morning and think, am, am I in a nightmare? That is what it feels like. Uh, but I can tell you this, I am counting down. I have 20 more time, 21 more times of doing this until the election. And um, based on what we're seeing now, the country has finally woken up. We're talking in the last few weeks about shifts in polls, shifts in opinion. Sad that it's taken this much, but here we are. So we are going to get into it. Um, This week, Trump was largely, despite these three crises that I opened up with, gone. Uh, We didn't see much of him at all. He faded into the background for most of the week unsure of how to respond to any of these crises. Uh, We also, for the first time last week, started to see the military turn on Trump. And this week saw even more of that. And the whole predicate of Trump's campaign is him the strong man. That was undone last week, obviously, with the bunker incident, uh, the explanation of which continues to change. But this week, you start to see more and more of the military turn against him. And... um, uh, there was a clip, not in this list, but just because it's a political clip, but James Carvel, the uh, longtime Democratic strategist, going on a TV show Friday and saying, if Trump doesn't leave, and that's been a concern throughout for many of us, if, if he loses, then he won't leave, the military will take him out. Uh, you know, that his friends in the military, according to Carvel, are telling him they have turned on Trump, even though 80 some odd percent of the military typically is Republican. Um, last week changed everything, gassing the American people. That changed everything. 
So we're going to get into it. It's not as long as last week, which was a record 300 items, but another long week. On Saturday, more than 100,000 protested in various locations around Washington, D.C., the largest crowd yet. Protests also took place in cities and towns across the country and across the world. On Saturday, Trump tweeted, and just to set the stage, last week Trump, other than his little fiasco walking over to the St. John's Church to hold up the Bible, uh, he didn't leave the White House once except for to go to Maine. Uh, as we get into this week, Trump is back inside tweeting, not leaving the White House, not taking any sort of leadership role. So 100,000 on Saturday are in Washington, various places around the city demonstrating. On Saturday, Trump tweeted in capital letters, law and order, and falsely claimed, quote, much smaller crowd in D.C. than anticipated. National Guard, Secret Service, and D.C. police have been doing a fantastic job. Thank you. Trump also blamed the media, tweeting CNN and MSDNC are doing everything possible to inflame the crowd. Fortunately, they have a very small audience. On Saturday, NBC News reported in Klamath Falls, Oregon, a group of counter-protesters showed up at a protest rally wearing military fatigues, bulletproof vests, and carrying flags and guns to counter Antifa. So I put this story early on because it's so important to note the way that not only Trump, but the Attorney General of our country, Fox News, Republicans, are trying to create this false narrative about Antifa being behind these protests um, and trying to make it therefore and us against them divide the country, threat of violence. So here we have a case where all these people show up with guns, army fatigue, bullet point vests, um, because they hear rumors that Antifa is coming to turn over their, their town and they're there in Oregon to defend it. The counter-protesters in this small rural town said they came with guns to protect their downtown businesses from outsiders after false rumors about Antifa. The 200 peaceful protesters protested without incident. On Saturday, the Washington Post reported the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette has barred at least two black journalists from covering the George Floyd protests because they are seen as being biased by, by being black. Uh, there was an interesting tweet today that someone said, how about whether the white reporters are biased against the protesters? I mean, this is the absurdity in our country right now, folks. On Sunday, the U.S. passed 2 million confirmed coronavirus cases. This is four months after Trump said there was 15 going to zero. 2 million coronavirus cases, counting for 28% of worldwide. On Sunday, an NBC News Wall Street Journal poll found 80% of voters say things are out of control in the U.S. I need to say that again. 80% of voters say things are out of control in the U.S. Only 15% say in control. On Sunday, Attorney General William Barr told Face the Nation pepper spray was used on protesters and it is not a chemical irritant. It's not chemical. This is false according to the CDC website and other sources. On Sunday, in a flurry of tweets, as Trump was, um, again, in the White House, locked up over the weekend, over the week, 
Trump tweeted, quote, Sleepy Joe Biden and the radical left Democrats want to, in capital letters, defund the police, repeating his mantra, I want law and order. Trump also ordered the National Guard to leave D.C., tweeting, quote, I have just given an order for our National Guard to start the process of withdrawing from Washington, D.C., now that everything is under perfect control. NPR reported the National Guard force from D.C. and states totaled more than 5,000, although just one-third were on the streets at any time. The Army said guardsmen from 11 states would leave in the next two to three days. Trump also tweeted, quote, Not only will sleepy Joe Biden defund the police, but he will defund our military. He has no choice. The Dems are controlled by the radical left. On Sunday, the Minneapolis City Council voted 9-4, a veto-proof majority, to defund and dismantle the city's police department after the killing of George Floyd, an acknowledgement that the current system is not working. On Sunday, conservative journalist Peggy Noonan wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, conservative Wall Street Journal, titled, On Some Things Americans Can't Agree, citing Trump's handling of the George Floyd killing and civil unrest and calling on Trump to resign. On Sunday, former Secretary of State Colin Paul told State of the Union he would back Joe Biden in the presidential election, saying Trump has drifted away from the U.S. Constitution. Paul also called out Republicans, saying senators were asked about last Monday by reporters and they, quote, would not react, adding, quote, we're not a country of just the president. We have a Congress. We have a Supreme Court. Shortly after, Trump attacked Powell, who would have guessed, calling him, quote, a real stiff, adding, quote, he was responsible for getting us into the disastrous Middle East wars. Didn't Powell say Iraq had weapons of mass destruction? Later, Trump retweeted that tweet about Powell and also tweeted that Powell was, quote, highly overrated. And he was pathetic. That interview was a pathetic interview on fake news CNN and called Powell weak. Trump also bragged, quote, I built the greatest economy in the world, the best in the U.S., and I'm doing it again, and falsely claimed that 60, 96% approval rate with Republicans. Trump also tweeted, quote, if I wasn't constantly harassed for three years by fake and illegal investigations, Russia, 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 and the impeachment hoax, I'd be up 25 points on Sleepy Joe. It's very unfair. Trump also attacked the NFL, asking if NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell's statement means, quote, would now be okay for the players to kneel or not stand for the national anthem, thereby disrespecting our flag and our country? On Sunday, the New York Times editorial page editor James Bennett resigned over the controversy of publishing Senator Tom Cotton's op-ed last week, noting the significant breakdown of the editing process. New York Times publisher A.G. Salzberger cited progress made on diversity and inclusion, adding, quote, we must increase our efforts to ensure that this is a place that welcomes, supports, and reflects the contributions of all our employees. Shortly after, Trump tweeted, quote, that's right, he quit over an excellent op-ed penned by our great Senator Tom Cotton, transparency in capital letters. The state of Arkansas is very proud of Tom. On Sunday, GoFundMe suspended conservative activist Candace Owens' page, saying it violated its policies on intolerance. Owens raised funds for a cafe owner who insulted George Floyd and called protesters idiots. Um, I'm just going to step back here for a sec. We mentioned Tom Cotton from Arkansas. Just 
to put some perspective in listening to this, there's a poll out, Biden versus Trump. Trump won Arkansas by roughly 26 points in 2016, 24, 26 points. They're basically tied now. So it gives you a sense of how things are turning against Trump, even in very deep red states. On Sunday, CNN reported after a weekend of mostly peaceful protests, Trump is considering giving a speech to the nation on race and unity. Trump remained inside the White House all weekend out of sight. On Sunday, Senator Mitt Romney marched in a Black Lives Matter protest in D.C. and later tweeted images saying Black Lives Matter. He also tweeted images of his father, George, marching in the late 1960s. On Monday, Trump mocked Romney, tweeting, quote, Tremendous sincerity, what a guy, hard to believe. With this kind of political talent, his numbers would tank so badly in Utah. On Sunday, Politico reported Senator Jim Rich, chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, will drop the requirement for Secretary of State Mike Pompeo to testify for a routine annual budget hearing. According to an aide, the committee has sought Pompeo's testimony for the hearing for at least four months, but had been stiff-armed by the State Department as Pompeo faces an outcry over firing the Inspector General. On Sunday, the Washington Post reported former National Security Advisor John Bolton plans to publish a tell-all book about his time in Trump's White House in late June, despite the White House having not signed off yet. This is where I inject what a coward and a traitor to our country. He had a chance to speak out in the hearings. All he cares about is selling a damn book. On Monday, a CNN poll found Trump down 55-41 to Biden, Trump's lowest level in polling. The poll also found Trump's approval fell seven points to 38%. The poll also found 63% disapprove of Trump's handling of race relations, and 65% say his response to the protests was more harmful than helpful. Also, 67% say peaceful protests were justified. Two-thirds said racism is a big problem in America, up from 49% in 2015 before Trump took office. So that's a big jump. The increase came from black people from 66 to 88, Latinos 64 to 79, and whites from 43 to 60%. Shortly after, Trump tweeted, quote, CNN polls are as fake as their reporting. Same numbers and worse. Again, crooked Hillary. And Dems would destroy America. Biden's lead was actually larger than Hillary ever had in 2016. And largely, it's although Trump, Biden has good support from Democrats, a lot of his support is driven by people not wanting to vote for Trump, this poll also found. Trump also blamed the media, tweeting, quote, The lamestream media refuses to talk about the country's record-setting job numbers, which are indicating greatness and soon. That's obviously not true. On Monday, Trump tried to discredit CNN and other polling and other polls, tweeting, quote, I have retained highly respected McLaughlin and Associates to analyze CNN poll and others which I felt were fake. Trump attached a memo by McLaughlin which claimed without evidence, quote, the latest skewed media poll must be intentional. Trump added, quote, they're called suppression polls which are put out to dampen enthusiasm. 
On Monday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Senator Mi- Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, and two dozen lawmakers knelt for eight minutes and 48 seconds in Emancipation Hall in tribute to George Floyd. That's how long George Floyd was under the knee of the police officer. Democrats said they would unveil a sweeping package of police reforms in response to the killing of African Americans with, quote, meaningful structural change that safeguards every American's right to safety and equal justice. On Monday, the National Bureau of Economic Research declared the U.S. is officially in a recession, finding the expansion peaked in February after a record 128 months. On Monday, the Courier-Journal reported the bronze statue of Confederate soldier John Castleman, which has been in Louisville, Kentucky's Cherokee Triangle for 107 years, was removed. On Monday, the Army reversed course and said it will consider renaming bases and facilities named after Confederate leaders. Defense Secretary Mark Esper and Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy supported the decision. On Monday, Vanity Fair reported Trump is, quote, malignantly crazy about bad poll numbers and is thinking of replacing Jared Kushner and campaign manager Brad Parscale. Trump called friends in New York and outside advisors over the weekend in hopes they would validate his belief that the polls are biased, but no one did. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, however, told Republican senators not to abandon Trump. On Monday, WTVR reported Harry Rogers, a self-described KKK leader, was arrested for driving his car into protesters at a Black Lives Matter march in Richmond, Virginia. Prosecutors are investigating it as a hate crime. On Monday, Politico reported Trump plans to restart campaign rallies in the next two weeks despite the pandemic. Trump aides are still determining the venues and what safety measures will be implemented. On Monday, a federal judge in Detroit dismissed a lawsuit against Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmore over her coronavirus stay-at-home order, citing a constitutional ban on federal lawsuits against states. On Monday, Trump held a meeting in law enforcement with law enforcement at the White House. So again, just painting this picture, Trump hasn't left all weekend. And Monday, amid all these protests around the country, around the world, what does Trump do? He holds a meeting with law enforcement at the White House. There's only one officer who is black that is included. Declaring at this meeting that 99.9% of the nation's officers are, quote, great, great people and rebuffing protests over racism nationwide. Trump added, quote, there won't be defunding, there won't be dismantling of our police, that's not going to be any disbanding. Biden earlier said that he was not for defunding, taking the air out of Trump's planned attacks. Officials said Trump will stick with his law and order message and ignore the issue of race. Trump did not have a single black person with him last Monday when he held up the Bible. Also Monday, Trump met with police. As while Trump met with police, Biden met with the family of George Floyd in Houston ahead of Floyd's funeral on Tuesday. A lawyer for the family said Biden, quote, listened, heard their pain, and shared in their woe. So again, when we talk about not normal in this list, imagine that the president of our country did not go to this funeral or in any way recognize this death. Um, It's just, again, under past travesties like this, you would expect the leader of our country to be there to heal the country, but no. 
<sighs> okay. On Monday, CNN reported that two weeks after Floyd's death, Trump has still not met with protesters or visited Minneapolis to speak with the community as past presidents have done. Vice President Mike Pence has held a series of listening sessions with African-Americans, but the invitees have been carefully curated so not to include Floyd's family, Black Lives Matter, or civil rights activists. During his time in office, Trump has had little direct exposure to Americans who disagree with him and his politics, nor does the White House put him in a position to be directly challenged by everyday Americans. On Monday, Attorney General Barr told Fox News he, quote, understood the history of racial injustice in this country, but said dismantling police departments would result in an increase in vigilantism and more killings in U.S. cities. Barr also said there was a, quote, focused investigation of Antifa underway, saying, quote, it's a very loosely organized group. That is true. <laughs> it's they're, again, they're just making this up. And again, we opened with a story about counter-protesters that could have led to real violence because Barr and Trump are making this up. Barr also said, quote, there are people who can be characterized as leaders of Antifa, and quote, there appears to be sources of funding. Barr claimed without evidence last Monday, I, quote, personally saw projectiles thrown, and two were thrown at me from police officers and said Trump, quote, should be able to walk one block from the White House. Barr also contradicted Trump's version of events about the bunker, saying the inspection that led him to the bunker, quote, things were so bad that the Secret Service recommended the president go down to the bunker, which is, of course, completely different from what Trump said, which was that he was just inspecting it. On Monday, the Daily Beast reported that despite Trump and Barr's repeated assertions, Antifa is not mentioned in any of the first 22 criminal cases related to protests. On Monday, Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany said the regime has, quote, no regrets about forcibly moving protesters, adding, quote, I note that many of these decisions were not made here within the White House. Instead, she blamed Barr, telling reporters, quote, it was Attorney General Barr who made the decision to move the perimeter. Monday night, Park Police had also made that decision independently. McKennedy also defended the U.S. Park Police using chemical agents on protesters, saying, quote, that was unacceptable. Park Police acted as if they felt they needed to at that time. We stand by those actions. McKennedy also pointed to a fire that set the historic St. John's Church as a rationale for expanding the White House perimeter. However, notably, the church was outside the expanded perimeter. McKennedy also attacked Senator Romney for saying Black Lives Matter, claiming he, quote, can say three words outside of Pennsylvania Ave, but Trump won 8% of black votes, but Romney won 2% of black votes. On Monday, Senator Lisa Murkowski brushed off Trump's Twitter threat to campaign against her for speaking out last week, saying she stands by her comments last week and, quote, I cannot live in fear of a tweet. On Monday, Fox News host Tucker Carlson faced backlash after falsely claiming, quote, this may be a lot of things, this moment we're living through, but it is definitely not about black lives. Carlson also said in a 25-minute rant on Black Lives Matter, and the movement to defund police, a foreboding, quote, remember that when they come for you, and at this rate, they will. 
On Monday, Carrie Maxwell, a teacher in Bakersfield, California, issued an apology after a video showed her yelling and swearing at protesters and telling them they were not welcome and she was going to call the police. On Monday, a video captured a middle-aged woman in Arizona telling a Native American woman who was being helped at the counter of a gas station convenience store to, quote, go back to Mexico. On Monday, Reuters reported a U.S. Navy investigation into the spread of coronavirus on the USS Theodore Roosevelt found that approximately of the 400 sailors who were tested, 60% were positive for coronavirus antibodies. So again, that's 60%. On Monday, CNN reported Dr. Maria Van Kirklov, uh, Kirkov, head of the WHO's Emerging Disease and Zoonosis Unit, said in a Q&A question that asymptomatic, asymptomatic spread of the coronavirus is, quote, very rare. This caused quite an uproar because that's different than what we had heard. On Tuesday, after criticism across the world, she walked back her comment saying asymptomatic spread is a, quote, really complex question and adding, we don't actually have the answer yet. On Tuesday, Trump tweeted a conspiracy theory that originated on an anonymous blog and aired on One America News Network, tweeting, quote, Buffalo protester shoved by police could be an Antifa provocateur. Trump added, quote, 75-year-old Martin Gugino was pushed away after appearing to scan police communications in order to black out the equipment. ONN had claimed that Gugino used common Antifa tactics. Trump also tweeted, quote, I watched. He fell harder than he was pushed. Was aiming scanner. Could be a setup. There was no evidence of this claim. The reporter Christian Ruiz, who previously who was on OAN, previously worked for Russia State Media, Sputnik. Bugina is a Catholic peace activist advocating for multiple causes on behalf of poor and disenfranchised. He has no affiliation with the Antifa movement. So this is again Tuesday. Trump hasn't left the White House. He's making up if if you go online, you can click these links and see what it looked like. We re, we talked about this story last week. It was a 75-year-old man who was pushed over by riot police in Buffalo. When he, when he was pushed over, he banged his head so hard, he started bleeding through his ear, and they left him there bleeding. So Trump is now saying that he's an Antifa provocateur. He's saying that he fell harder than he was pushed, uh, and he's blaming it on a conspiracy theory on OAN and a reporter who has links to Sputnik, which is Russia's state TV. Trump also sent a series of tweets, transition to greatness, the reawakening of America and make America great. Shortly after, Republican National Committee spokesperson Elizabeth Harrington tweeting an even more elaborate version of the conspiracy, claiming the blood on Gugina's head was a prop. She later deleted it. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said of Trump's tweets, quote, how reckless, how irresponsible, how mean, how crude, and said Trump should apologize to Gugino, who was in the hospital. However, no Republican lawmakers condemned Trump's tweet. On Tuesday, The Atlantic reported OAN, who Trump got this story from, 
has also been promoting anti-Biden conspiracy theories for several months, including saying it has a secret recording of conversations of Biden speaking with Ukrainian officials. If such recordings exist, they were likely obtained by pro-Russia interests in Ukraine and a Russian intelligence operation that would be part of an operation to hurt Biden and impact the 2020 election. So that's what Trump's watching. On Tuesday, as the country watched the funeral of George Floyd, Trump tweeted a dystopian video of Minneapolis, adding, quote, should have let police do their job and brought in National Guard on day one, not day four. On Tuesday, AP reported video evidence increasingly disproves police narratives, including saying the Buffalo protester, quote, tripped and fell. That was the initial story by police until videos came out. And that Floyd died after a, quote, medical incident during a police interaction. In a third incident, a Philadelphia police officer was seen striking a Temple University officer, excuse me, Temple University student in the head and neck with a metal baton. Police came, claimed the student had insulted the officer, but the video showed that was untrue. On Tuesday, ABC News reported the National Park Service will start removing fencing around the White House. After saying Lafayette Park would reopen on Wednesday, they said it would remain closed. The National Museum of African American History and Culture and other Smithsonian museums say they are in discussions on how to preserve signs and protest-related artifacts placed by protesters on the fence. And that's the photo that accompanies this week's list. Trump's 1.7 miles of fencing, his proverbial wall that he had placed around the White House while he cowered inside. Uh, The American people, the protesters, put lovely signs all over them, um, including things like Black Lives Matter, fuck Trump, I can't breathe, my skin color is not a crime. Uh, So that is the photo that accompanies this week's list, and those will be preserved in museums. On Tuesday, USA Today reported photographer Andre Lamar, who was covering protests, was detained by Delaware State Police. He is heard asking why he is being arrested and filmed himself being tackled. Lamar is heard on the video saying, quote, the police have arrested protesters, we don't know why, They slammed them on the ground. USA Today president called attacks on journalists unacceptable and must be stopped. On Tuesday, American Urban Radio Network's April Ryan reported the White House advisor, Stephen Miller, who is responsible for Trump's immigration policy, will craft his speech on race relations. On Tuesday, Dayton Daily News reported Sarah Grossman, who was 22 years old, died two days after attending a protest in Columbus, Ohio, where, according to the coroner's office, she was, quote, exposed to tear gas and pepper spray. On Tuesday, the Wall Street Journal reported that Trump was furious last week and wanted to fire Defense Secretary Esper over Esper not supporting his inclination to use U.S. troops in D.C., Minneapolis, and elsewhere. Trump consulted with several advisors about firing Esper, who would have been his fourth, who was his fourth defense secretary, uh, including White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, Pompeo, Senators Cotton and James Inhofe, and his friend David Urban. So just note, this is Trump's inner circle now. It's smaller. It's uh, people that have less experience. It's people that basically will just say yes to whatever he suggests. 
but again, it's not people that, you know, in the beginning, he already had a pretty weak group of folks around him. Now it's a smaller shrinking group and they're more loyal to him. There were a series of heated discussions in which Esper said he felt strongly Trump should not invoke the Insurrection Act, aware of Trump's feelings and frustrated about differences. Esper had actually made preparations to resign. Advisors convinced Trump that firing Esper ahead of the November election would put him in a tough spot, possibly unable to get a new secretary confirmed in time, and given his rebuilding the military, given his rebuilding the military mantra. So they decided not to do it. On Tuesday, Law and Crime reported Judge Reggie Walton, after reading the unredacted Mueller report that he had demanded from the DOJ, ordered the DOJ to answer, quote, regarding certain rejections on the Mueller report, as the hearing is now set for July 20th. On Tuesday, CNN reported Trump brought back veterans of his 2016 campaign, hiring Jason Miller and Boris Epstein, old names that we talked about, to senior advisory roles to help make a turn and be much more aggressive amid sagging poll numbers. On Tuesday, Dr. Anthony Fauci said the coronavirus's transmissibility and lethality, quote, turned out to be my worst nightmare and warned, quote, where, it is, where is it going to end? We're at the beginning of it. On Tuesday, the Washington Post reported two weeks after Memorial Day, 15 states in Puerto Rico have seen their highest averages of new cases. Nine states have seen hospitalizations on the rise. Data is also disproving the assertion from some Republican governors that the jump in cases is due to more testing. As the Washington Post data showed, many of the states seen an increase in cases are also seeing an increase in hospitalizations. On Tuesday, CNN reported 28 states are not following CDC guidelines for reopening. 15 states have seen an increase of 25% or more coronavirus cases in the last week. On Tuesday, Georgia Secretary of State and State House Speaker called for an investigation after several counties, especially around mostly African-American precincts, saw hours-long lines in their primary and broken voting machines during the Tuesday primary elections. On Tuesday, GOP congressional candidate Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Canaan supporter, made it to an August runoff in Georgia and is likely to win. She's the second to embrace the Quanon conspiracy theory and win. There are roughly 50 supporters who ran this time. They tend to support conspiracy theories about the government, and they are running this year. Experts say they feel comfortable coming out from the shadows under Trump. On Tuesday, now we're going to talk about a number of social change stories. And and just notice, again, for the last couple of weeks, we didn't really talk about the coronavirus. And notice how many more stories we're going to mention this week. And notice as well during the week how things start to shift. Last week it was mostly protests. Now we start to see things come about as a result of those protests. On Tuesday, CrossFit CEO Greg Glassman resigned after a recording surfaced of him telling staffers and gym owners on Saturday, quote, we're not mourning for George Floyd and sending a tweet saying Flovid 19. On Tuesday, Daryl Bubba Wallace, the first full-time African-American driver on NASCAR's top circuit in more than 45 years, said he wants to ban the Confederate flag from all racetracks. 
On Tuesday, the U.S. Navy announced it is working on an order that would ban all public displays of the Confederate flag, less than a week after the U.S. Marines issued a directive to do the same. On Tuesday, a statue of Christopher Columbus in Richmond, Virginia, was torn down by protesters and thrown in a river. Protesters in St. Paul and Boston pulled down Columbus statues and vandalized one in Miami. On Wednesday, HBO Max pulled Gone with the Wind and longtime running show Cops was canceled amid growing concern about racial injustice in the wake of Floyd's killing. On Wednesday, NASCAR announced it would ban all Confederate flags, saying they run, quote, contrary to our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all fans, our competitors, and our industry. On Wednesday, the U.S. Soccer League repealed its policy requiring players to stand during the national anthem put into place after U.S. women's player Megan Rabapoe kneeled in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick. On Wednesday, two co-owners of a Missouri newspaper resigned over a racist editorial cartoon published in the paper by the publisher-editor William Miller, Miller Sr., their father. They wrote, We are sorry in a statement. On Thursday, after a torrent of social media backlash, Starbucks flipped and said it would allow its employees to wear Black Lives Matter attire and will also make 250,000 specialty shirts supporting the movement. On Thursday, USC trustees voted unanimously to remove the name of its former longtime president, Rufus von Kleinsmid, from a campus building as well as a bust of him due to his active support of eugenics. So those were just some of the things that happened during the week. On Tuesday, the New York Times reported the Republican Party is scrambling on how to respond to demands for police overhaul caught flat-footed by the groundswell of public support for policy action. The GOP has long fashioned themselves as the party of law and order, and privately lawmakers and aides admitted they had few proposals ready to offer and were racing to reach a consensus on how to proceed. On Wednesday, the New York Times reported public opinion has rapidly moved in favor of Black Lives Matter since the death of Floyd. The online research group Civics found American support rose by 28-point margin, up from a 17-point margin two weeks ago. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported Republicans fear Trump's incendiary responses to the protests and the coronavirus have left him politically isolated and weakened and could hurt the party in November. Trump's ability to shape the latest cultural flashpoint has ebbed as corporations, sport leagues, and even some Republicans are siding with the Black Lives Matter movement despite the risk of retaliation by Trump. Strategists have suggested a myriad of ways incumbents could tiptoe around Trump's controversies as opposed to embracing them. Republicans conceded it is too late to break with him now ahead of the election. On Wednesday, defying Trump, the Republican-led Senate Arms Armed Services Committee adopted an amendment written by Senator Elizabeth Warren to strip all military bases of Confederate names. The Army is expected to soon release results of its investigations into the use of helicopters to terrorize protesters. Army Secretary McCarthy did order their use. It is expected that some of the pilots will be punished. On Wednesday, so all of this is kind of happening. Um, you know, so the the 
this is a Republican-led Senate committee. You have the corporations, the sports leagues. Everyone is sort of moving in the direction of the American public. And then you have Trump, who is off on his own. And then this happened Wednesday. In a remarkable move, the Trump campaign sent a cease and desist letter to CNN President Jeff Zucker, demanding that CNN retract and apologize for its poll showing Biden leading Trump. The letter said the poll was a, quote, stunt and phony poll to cause voter suppression, stifle momentum and enthusiasm, and designated, excuse me, and designed to mislead American voters through a biased questionnaire and skewed sampling. Notably, several other polls over the past few weeks showed the same thing as the CNN poll, including an ABC News Washington Post poll, Monmouth, NPR, PBS, NBC, Quinnipiac, Fox News also showed Biden well ahead of Trump. In response, CNN general counsel rejected their allegation and demands entirely, adding, quote, this is the first time in its 40-year history that CNN has been threatened with legal action because of polling results. He added, quote, to the extent we have received legal threats from political leaders in the past, they have typically come from countries like Venezuela or other regimes that have little respect for independent media. On Wednesday, you know, just in case you thought all of these polls showing Biden was doing better were an outlier, a monthly Gallup poll uh, found Trump's approval fell 10 points in four weeks, from 49% approved to 39% approved this week. On Wednesday, having not left the White House since last Friday, Trump sent a series of tweets quoting Fox News, writing, quote, New York State is killing small business. Let them open properly and bragging about the stock market. Trump also attacked Fox News for cutting out of congressional hearings before a pro-Trump witness was to testify, tweeting, incredible, off the air just prior to important witness, more like CNN, Fox is lost. On Wednesday, Press Secretary McKenney defended Trump's tweet on the Buffalo protester, telling Fox and friends, the questions into the tweet were in the tweet were legitimate and need to be asked. McKennedy said, quote, the individual had some very questionable tweets, some profanity-laden tweets about police officers, adding, quote, no one condones any sorts of violence, but we need an appropriate amount of force. So here they are still attacking this 75-year-old protester who was knocked to the ground and was blood out of his ear. On Wednesday, Trump rejected calls to rename military bases honoring Confederate generals in a series of tweets saying, quote, these monumental and very powerful bases have become part of a great American heritage. Trump said he would, quote, not even consider renaming the magnificent and fabled military installations, claiming despite the Civil War outcome, quote, they have a history of winning, victory, and freedom. McKennedy read his tweets aloud at the Daily Briefing, in the latest example of Trump sowing division on cultural issues and hopes he will benefit in the upcoming election. Later Wednesday, the Trump campaign announced Trump would return to the campaign trail with his first rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a state that, strangely, Trump won by 36 points in 2016, but that now he needs a rally there. But again, keep going, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the date, June 19. The rally was scheduled, also known June 19th, Juneteenth, which is an annual holiday commemorating the end of slavery in the U.S. 
It's celebrated as African Americans Independence Day. So that's the day Trump picked amid these protests, amid all the stuff I've just read about all these changes in our culture and our corporations and our sport leagues. Trump picks Juneteenth and he picks Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, notably June 1921 was the Tulsa massacre, one of the worst instances of racial violence in American history, in which at least 300 African Americans were killed and a whole section of the city was destroyed. The campaign said it was considering some modest attempts at reducing spread of the coronavirus like hand sanitizer, but no other plans were in the works. Brad Parscale said, quote, Americans are ready to get back to action and so is Trump. The campaign also will require rally attendees to sign a disclaimer absolving it from any corona-related lawsuits stemming from the rally. Legal experts say the waiver is poorly lawyered and would not be enforceable. Oklahoma will enter phase three of its reopening on, or entered its phase three on June 1st, and it had 7,400 cases and 355 deaths. Trump will hold rallies in Florida, Arizona, and North Carolina also, uh, and notably all of these states are seeing peaks in coronavirus cases, or excuse me, spikes in coronavirus cases. On Thursday, Senator Kamala Harris, who is a black woman, said of Trump holding his first rally in Oklahoma, quote, this isn't just a wink to, a wink to white supremacists, he's throwing them a welcome party. On Wednesday, Washington Post reported transcripts, and, and we're, we're kind of going all around here, folks. Don't forget, in addition to the protests and the coronavirus and all the stories about Confederate statues and, and army bases being renamed, all these other stories, there's still this stuff coming up about the things that Trump has done wrong uh, or Barr or other people in his regime. So um, we're gonna, there's a number of those stories this week, too. Here's one of them. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported transcripts of former uh, State Department Inspector General Steve Lisnick's testimony to Congress revealed Pompeo's claim of not knowing that the probe into he and his wife using staffers for errands was a lie. Lisnick also told lawmakers that the State Department discouraged him from investigating arms sales to Saudi Arabia. An official claimed it was outside his jurisdiction, and Lisnick said it was within IG purview. NBC News reported Linick was also investigating why the State Department had revoked an award to Finnish journalist Jessica Aro, who criticized Trump on social media last year. On Wednesday, Pompeo claimed Linick's dismissal was not for retaliation, telling Reuters that he's just a bad actor. This was also a big story on Wednesday. Former Judge John Gleason, appointed to review the Michael Flynn case, said in a court filing there was evidence of, quote, gross abuse of prosecutorial power, and the request to drop the case should be denied. Gleason wrote the facts surrounding the DOG's motion to dismiss, quote, reveal an unconvincing effort to disguise as legitimate a decision to dismiss that is based solely on the fact that Flynn is a political ally of President Trump. Gleason added the DOJ, quote, abdicated that responsibility to prosecute defendants without fear or favor, and, quote, has treated the case like no other, and in doing so has undermined the public's confidence in the rule of law. 
Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee also filed a brief with Judge Sullivan, lashing out at Barr for handling of several politically charged matters and noting how he has blocked them from investigating him. On Wednesday, in a letter, more than 1,250 former DOJ workers called on DOJ Inspector General Mike Horowitz to investigate Barr's involvement in clearing a crowd of mostly peaceful protesters last Monday using gas and horses. The group said it was, quote, deeply concerned about the DOJ's actions and that Barr, quote, in response to the nationwide lawful gathering to protest systemic racism that has plagued this country throughout its history. The group also cited Barr's role in suppressing a peaceful protest, quote, for the purpose of enabling President Trump to walk to a photo op at a, quote, politically motivated event in which Barr participated. On Wednesday, Brian Benzkowski, who is head of the DOJ's criminal criminal division, announced he would be stepping down. He's the one that made the decision not to open an investigation into Trump's Ukraine-related dealings. But there's more. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported, testifying before Congress, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and SBA Administrator Jovita Carenza refused to reveal who is receiving $511 billion of taxpayer-backed small business loans. Mnuchin claimed, quote, as it relates to the names and amounts of PPP loans, we believe that that's proprietary information, and in many cases for sole proprietors and small businesses, it's confidential information. Notably, up front, they had promised they were going to share that information. Now they're hiding it. The Post and 10 other news organizations have sued the SBA for access to records of loan participants and amounts. A Treasury spokesperson's claimed loan-level data would risk confidential business information. On Wednesday, the Texas Tribune reported Texas experienced its third consecutive day of record hospitalizations from the coronavirus growing from 1,935 Monday to 2,056 Tuesday to 2,153 on Wednesday. Again, as we mentioned before, this refutes the Republican governors who have been claiming that it's just more testing, the fact that hospitalizations are also reaching record levels. On Wednesday, four weeks after reopening, South Carolina also saw a spike in cases. The state epidemiologist said she was, quote, more concerned about COVID-19 than I ever have been before. On Wednesday, Vice President Mike Pence tweeted, then deleted a photo of himself with dozens of Trump staffers in Virginia standing close together without masks. The photo actually violated the state's social distancing guidelines. On Wednesday, ABC News reported as Trump's polling numbers fall, some of his most loyal and longest-serving advisors are increasingly alarmed that without a course correction, he will lose in November. Trump was encouraged to participate in listening sessions with African-American leaders, but he rejected the idea. One loyal supporter said Trump is not, quote, capable of showing empathy here. Top advisors were also concerned that the White House is set to roll out proposals about race and policing, and any proposal would be overshadowed by his tweeting. Days in the West Wing are dictated by what he tweets. Multiple aides have said they have opted to turn off notification for Trump's tweets. However, two advisors say the tweeting is how in part Trump won in 2016, but they also blame campaign manager Brad Parscale for unclear messaging. 
There's also infighting on whether Jared is too moderate. And Fox News host Tucker Carlson says Jared is, quote, has, quote, contempt for Trump voters. While an insider close to Jared said people are trying to cause separation between the two. So again, you can just get a sense of with these stories. It's the small inner circle and what's left of it is crumbling and uh, <laughs> turning in on each other and infighting. White House and campaign officials are hoping the big campaign rallies will help change the direction, giving Trump a chance to air his grievances and move on, rather than harping on issues like the pandemic and race. Harping on. Later Wednesday, Trump again used his platform to promote his private ventures, sharing a tweet by Eric Trump about the Trump rail reopening. That's the kind of thing in the early weeks, America would be like, oh my God, look what he's doing. And now it's like no one even notices, like so many other things. On Wednesday, the New York Times reported the National Guard is now investigating law enforcement's aggressive tactics last Monday, similar to examinations that are done after the fact on battlefields in Iraq and Afghanistan. There has been a torrent of criticism from Congress, retired military personnel, and National Guard members. One point that is agreed on is the actions were a debacle for the National Guard. Again, as I mentioned earlier, they are also doing an investigation on these helicopters that buzz down and try to intimidate, intimidate protesters. Later Wednesday, Trump tweeted, alleging without evidence that, quote, domestic terrorism terrorists have taken over Seattle, adding, quote, run by radical left Democrats, of course, law and order. Trump also demanded, quote, radical left Governor Jay Inslee and mayor of Seattle must, quote, tank back your city now. Protesters had set up a Capitol Hill autonomous zone where police were forbidden, Trump also claimed that the two are, quote, being taunted and played at a level that our great country has never seen before, and threatened the mayor and the governor, quote, if you don't do it, I will. These ugly anarchists must be stopped immediately. He actually misspelled stopped as so many times in the weekly list. We have to put S-I-C afterwards. He's, he called it stooped. Uh, so the next tweet... Uh, Jay Inslee responding, quote, a man who is totally incapable of governing should stay out of Washington state business and wrote stoop tweeting instead of stop tweeting. Uh, Mayor Jenny Durkin of Seattle tweeted, quote, make us all safe. Go back to your bunker. On Wednesday, in an interview with The Daily Show, Biden said Trump is, quote, going to try to steal this election instead of ensuring the voting process is fair it's, quote, my greatest concern, my single greatest concern. Asked what would happen if Trump lost and refused to leave. Biden cited four joint chiefs of staff, quote, ripping the skin off Trump, and said he is, quote, absolutely convinced they will escort him from the White House with great dispatch. So that was late Wednesday, Thursday morning. Army General Mark Milley, the Joint Chiefs chair and the highest ranking member of our military, said in remarks to a National Defense University commencement ceremony that he was, quote, wrong to accompany Trump on his church walk last Monday. Miley said, quote, I should not have been there, adding, quote, my presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of military involvement in domestic politics, and, quote, it was a mistake. 
Miley also asked for military leaders to look for ways to improve equality, noting that just 7% of generals and admirals are African-American, saying, quote, we cannot afford to marginalize large portions of our potential talent pool. On Wednesday, Federal Chair Jerome Powell suggested millions of Americans would remain out of work for an extended period, and the Fed estimates unemployment will be 9.3% at the end of 2020. The sober prediction by Powell were markedly different than the narrative Trump suggesting a V-shaped recovery last week. Paul said there is also, quote, great uncertainty about the future given the coronavirus. On Thursday, the Labor Department reported another 1.5 million Americans filed for first-time unemployment last week. More than 44 million have filed since the start of the pandemic. On Thursday, Trump tweeted, praise our, quote, great National Guard troops who took care of the area around the White House, and, quote, the protesters, agitators, anarchists, and then in big letters, Antifa, and others were handled very easily. Trump added they were handled by, quote, the Guard, D.C. Police, and SS, which raised a lot of eyebrows. The term SS is associated with Hitler's police, the paramilitary group of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi Party during World War II, uh, not the U.S. Secret Service, which is the U.S.S.S. Trump also tweeted, quote, Sleepy Joe Biden refuses to wear his to leave his basement sanctuary. After, ironically, Trump had not left the White House all week, but actually Biden did leave to meet with Floyd's family. Trump also tweeted, tell them to get out of Seattle now. Trump defended the Confederate, quote, heritage, tweeting, quote, those that deny their history are doomed to repeat it, perhaps confusing a quote by George Santayana. Notably, the Confederates lost the Civil War. Trump also attacked Fed Chairman Powell's assessment, tweeting, quote, The Federal Reserve is wrong so often. I see the numbers, and also I do much better than they do. And, quote, we will have a very good third quarter. Trump also resumed his attacks on Seattle, tweeting, quote, Anarchics just took over Seattle and the liberal Democrat government. Just say he knows nothing about it. Governor, the Democratic governor, just says he knows nothing about it. Trump continued attacking, saying, quote, radical left governor Jay Inslee and a mayor of Seattle are now being taunted and played at a level our great country has never seen before. Again, take back your city now. So Trump is very fixated on the Seattle because what's happened is all the protests have now become peaceful, largely. They're still going on all over the country. And he's cowering inside the White House. So he's very fixated on Seattle all of a sudden. Trump also tweeted, quote, Senator Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren, again, we're having this moment on racism, and he tweets Pocahontas, just introduced an amendment on the renaming of many of our legendary military bases from which we train to win two world wars. Again, these are Confederate, named for Confederate generals, which lost. Uh, Trump added, quote, hopefully our great Republican senators won't fall for this. However, as he was tweeting that, the Senate Arms Committee approved her amendment and many Republicans had endorsed it or expressed an openness to it. On Thursday, NBC News reported as coronavirus cases surged in Arizona, GOP Governor Doug Ducey insisted, quote, this is not a crisis situation. While medical professionals warn the state will soon run out of emergency rooms. 
On Thursday, when asked about the possibility of a second wave of coronavirus cases, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin told CNBC, quote, we can't shut down the economy again, claiming, quote, you're going to create more damage. On Monday, Dr. Nicole Quick, Orange County's chief health officer, resigned after getting death threats for mandating face masks while in public due to the coronavirus. In addition to harassing her outside her home, during a board of supervisors meeting, members of the public brought a poster with her photo on it with a Hitler's mustache on her face and swastikas. On Thursday, Amy Acton, who saved countless lives in Ohio, resigned as Ohio Department of Health director after state Republican lawmakers stripped her of her power and protesters demonstrated outside her home. So this is now, I believe, five or six, all women who have been chased out of office by largely Trump supporters or some fired uh, when they weren't allowed to do their job so far. On Thursday, Politico reported Florida Governor Rick DeSantis ordered 1 million doses of Trump-touted hydrochloxiquine for his state in April, announcing it during a press conference where he touted its benefits. At the time of the order, state officials said they expected high demand for the drug. However, two months later, 16,000 doses have been shipped out of the 1 million to hospitals in Florida that requested them. On Thursday, after stocks had rebounded to pre-pandemic levels, the Dow plunged more than 1,800 points, or 6.7%, on concerns about a second wave of coronavirus, the market's worst day since March. On Thursday, CNN reported that despite a new surge, the White House Coronavirus Task Force has only met once a week for the past three weeks, a sharp decrease from March and April when they met daily. This week, the task force met two times, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Elizabeth, excuse me, Deborah Burks, and Dr. Robert Redfield are now less visible. Trump has moved on to other issues and resumed in-person fundraisers, including on Thursday in Dallas. On Thursday, CNN reported U.S. government spy planes have monitored Floyd protests in Washington, Minneapolis, and Las Vegas. Watchdogs say the planes were used to track protesters and perhaps cell phone data. In a June 9th letter to the heads of the FBI, Drug Enforcement Administration, Customs and Border Protection, and National Guard, 33 House Democrats demanded the practice must end immediately and permanently. On Thursday, the lawyer for Martin Giugino, the 75-year-old man targeted by Trump on Tuesday in his tweets, said his client has suffered a brain injury as a result of being pushed to the ground and is starting physical therapy. On Thursday, the Louisville Metro Council unanimously passed Brianna's Law, named for Brianna Taylor, who was killed by Louisville police in week 183. The law bans no-knock search warrants. On Thursday, Ohio GOP Senator, State Senator Steve Huffman was fired from his job as a physician after asking if, quote, African-Americans or the colored population were more impacted by COVID-19 because they, quote, do not wash their hands as well. On Thursday, the Republican National Committee confirmed Trump will deliver his August 27th convention speech in Jacksonville, Florida, at an arena that fits 15,000 people, moving the convention from North Carolina. 
the date, excuse me, the convention is going to be there, but the speech will be in Jacksonville. The date of the speech coincides with the 60th anniversary of Axe Handle Saturday in Jacksonville, when a mob organized by the KKK attacked mostly black civil rights protesters at the city's white-only lunch counters. The Times reported it was not clear if the historic significance was known to Republican officials before they selected the date and city. Trump will give his speech there, but the convention will still be in Charlotte. So that's the second occurrence uh, in two weeks so far. The Tulsa rally on Juneteenth, and now we have um, the Republican National Committee speech in Jacksonville. And there's one more coming. On Thursday, Trump held a roundtable at conservative evangelical Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas, his first event outside the White House since last Friday. The crowd did not see, did not social distance or wear masks. Trump took credit for Minnesota Governor Jim Wall's decision to deploy the National Guard, saying, quote, we were very proud of the fact that I called. I said, I'm sorry, but we have to get them in. It was like a knife cutting butter. Trump praised law enforcement, saying, quote, we are dominating the streets. And, quote, we have to respect police. We have to take care of our police. They're protecting us. Adding, quote, and you always have a bad apple. Notably, while discussing policing, Trump did not invite Dallas's police chief, Renee Hall, County Sheriff Marion Brown, or County District Attorney John Crazer, all of whom are black and all of whom are Democrats. Hours after the event, Trump tweeted, quote, the radical left Democrats, first they take away your guns, then they try to take away your police. On Thursday, in an extraordinary letter to West Point's graduating class, a coalition of more than 700 alumni slammed the Trump regime for politicizing the military. Trump is set to address graduates on Saturday. They wrote in the letter, quote, the oath taken by those who choose to serve in America's military is aspirational. You incur a moral purpose and obligation. Adding, quote, today our constitutional aspirations remain unfulfilled. They added, quote, sadly, the government has threatened to use the army in which you serve as a weapon against fellow Americans engaging in legitimate protests and singled out Esper and Miley for participating. They added, quote, when fellow graduates fail to respect the checks and balances of government, promote individual power above country, or prize loyalty to individuals, it is a travesty to their oath of office. On Thursday, as Trump departed for Dallas before heading to his departed from Dallas before heading to his golf course in New Jersey, workers quietly dismantled the iron fence put around the White House and blocking off Lafayette Park. In a statement, the Secret Service said it is, quote, currently removing the temporary fence around Lafayette Park, though the process is still ongoing. Part of the fencing will remain up to allow repairs. On Thursday, the Senate Judiciary Committee, chaired by Trump ally Senator Lindsey Graham, voted along party lines to approve more than 50 subpoenas for its investigation of the Mueller probe. On Thursday, Trump signed an executive order authorizing new sanctions targeting the International Criminal Court after it approved investigations of alleged war crimes against U.S. military and intelligence in Afghanistan. In an unprecedented move, we say that a lot, the Secretary of State and Defense 
the Attorney General, the National Security Advisor jointly announced sanctions on what they called a, quote, corrupt and, quote, politically motivated court. On Thursday, Russian Foreign Minister spokeswoman Maria Zakharova said at a briefing, quote, we welcome any steps by Washington to scale down its military presence in Europe, citing Trump pulling troops from Germany. On Friday, the 18th day since the killing of Floyd, Trump had yet to announce what new policies he might support in the wake of continuing protests around the country, even as the Republicans worked on details. On Friday, Pew Research found 37% say Trump's message in response to the protests surrounding Floyd's death has been mostly or completely right, while 60% say it has been mostly or completely wrong. By party, 76% of white Republicans said it was mostly or completely right, while 94% of white Democrats said mostly or completely wrong. On Friday, Director of National Economic Council Larry Kudlow told Fox and Friends that, quote, there is no emergency, there is no second wave. I don't know where that got started on Wall Street. Kudlow added, this is, quote, not the public, I am not a public health expert, but that he had spoken with top public health officials Thursday evening, and, quote, they are saying there's no second spike. Let me repeat, there is no second spike. Notably, we've discussed how Kudlow said it was contained in February. On Friday, the Irish Times reported three new studies from Germany, Britain, and the United States have found wearing a face mask significant is highly effective in curbing the spread of coronavirus. Then again, shortly after, we, there was another photo of Pence, this one he tweeted of him having lunch at David's Diner in Springsdale, Pennsylvania. He was not wearing a face mask, nor were his entourage or other diners, nor did he participate in social distancing. And that's part of this whole thing, the role modeling or lack of role modeling. So we've already talked about the second spike coming. There's been no, you know, for months, uh, major address, no one's addressing what's going on publicly. The CDC is neutered. Pence and Trump are modeling not to wear face masks. Uh, health officials are being intimidated out of office. 115,000 Americans are dead. On Friday, the Washington Post reported, according to an upcoming book, First Lady Melania Trump stayed in New York after Trump's inauguration, not for Barron School as previously thought and put in the list that way, but rather to renegotiate her prenuptial agreement. On Friday, the Washington Post reported, according to former NSA John Bolton's book, Trump had, quote, no, had a inconsistent scattershot decision-making and committed, quote, Ukraine-like transgressions in other foreign policy decisions. Bolton said he was, quote, hard-pressed to identify any significant Trump decision during my tenure that wasn't driven by re-election calculations, and, in quote, even if it meant endangering or weakening the, nature, the nation. The book is set to go on sale June 23rd. Bolton's lawyer said White House lawyer John Eisenberg warned him that the book contains classified materials and need to be revised, Bolton, however, will proceed with his book. And again, I just need to state for the record here, he's saying that there were impeachable things done. This man refused to testify. Now he wants us to read his book. Like, it doesn't help us at this point. On Friday, Tucker Carlson lost more advertisers, including Walt Disney Company, 
Papa John's, Poshmark, and T-Mobile following his comments Monday saying the protests are definitely not about black lives. The New York Times estimated in June Carlson's show accounted for 20% of Fox News revenue, up from 11% the year before. Few major brands remained on his show, and several major buyers said they did not have any spots on his show. On Friday, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced an expansive package of bills aimed at combating police misconduct, including a ban and criminalization of chokeholds, and making officers' records public. On Friday, Trump downplayed the danger of police chokeholds in an interview with Fox News, saying they sound, quote, innocent and, quote, perfect, but added that, quote, generally speaking, the practice, quote, should be ended. Trump told Fox News' Harris Faulkner, who is a black woman, that, quote, I think I've done more for the black community than any other president, adding, quote, let's take a pass on Abraham Lincoln because he did good. Trump added of Lincoln that he did some good, but that the, quote, end result of his actions are, quote, always questionable. A shocked Faulkner interrupted, saying, well, we are free, Mr. President. He did pretty well. Trump also said his Tulsa rally was purposely scheduled for Juneteenth, excuse me, was was purposely scheduled for Juneteenth, saying it should be thought of as a, quote, celebration, and added, quote, it's an interesting date. It wasn't done for that reason, but it's an interesting date. On Friday, a Whirlpool plant in Tulsa was temporarily closed after health officials confirmed a cluster of cases in the plant which has 1,700 employees. The company said infected employees have been quarantined. Again, that's in Tulsa. Uh, On Friday, NBC News reported Trump has repeatedly said of protesters, quote, these aren't my voters. Trump has yet to come up with an approach, calming the country or leaning in to uh, whether he's going to calm the country or lean in and stoke further division. Aides say Trump is bewildered and feared the regime is losing the culture war because Trump will not engage or set an agenda on police and race. Rather, he has been spinning his wheels. Trump's views are out of step with where the country is headed. He views the protests through a political lens and about himself, thinking that anyone who is calling for change is opposed to his re-election effort. On Friday, Boston Mayor Marty Walsh declared racism is a public health crisis in his city and said he will reallocate $3 million of the police department's overtime budget to public health. On Friday, Florida and Texas, two of the country's most populous states, reported daily highs of new coronavirus cases. Several other states are also surging, including California, South and North Carolina, Alabama, and Arizona. On Friday, Fauci told ABC News large gatherings like protests and campaign rallies pose risks for the spread, saying saying the best way to avoid spread is to, quote, avoid crowded places to wear a mask when outside. (coughs) On Friday, the CDC revised its death toll on coronavirus, predicting between 124,000 and 140,000 will die by July 4th. The numbers were released as CDC Director Redfield held his first public hearing since May 9th, excuse me, March 9th. That's over three months ago. The appearance comes amid growing calls for the agency to take more leadership role in the virus response. The CDC also has released new guideline documents for events and gatherings. On Friday, Trump's Department of Health and Human Services, remember I told you there were two things done on a date that were 
unbelievable. Here's the third. Trump's Department of Health and Human Services on Friday said it would eliminate Obama-era protections, which made it illegal to deny care to someone whose sexual orientation or gender identity they disapproved of. HHS said the interpretation of sexual discrimination will be based on, quote, the plain meaning of the word sex as male or female and determined by biology, erasing protections for transgender patients. The announcement came on the four-year anniversary of the massacre at Pulse, a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida, that left 50 dead and 53 wounded, and in the middle of Pride Month. Late Friday, Trump tweeted, quote, We had previously scheduled our MAGA rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma for June 19th, a big deal, adding, quote, Unfortunately, however, this would fall on the Juneteenth holiday. Trump added, quote, out of respect for this holiday and an observation of this important occasion and all that it represents, I have therefore decided to move the rally to June 20th instead. Even as Trump was tweeting about the change, his campaign managers and staffers were bragging on Twitter that they had received 300,000 ticket requests and included a link with the event date listed as June 19th. The change came amid widespread criticism and reports that Tulsa residents planned a large counter-rally to Trump's events, angry that he chose that date amid heightened tensions between black residents and Tulsa police. On Saturday, Trump gave the commencement address at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, trying to turn the page on his regime and campaign's turmoil. Atypically, Trump stuck to reading the teleprompter. Trump attended a military school but deferred service in the Vietnam War, citing bone spurs. While in office, however, Trump has repeatedly tried to use appearances with the military to bolster himself politically. Cadets were brought back to campus two weeks early, and with a rigorous testing and quarantine regiment, they sat six feet apart on an open field as Trump spoke. There was no mention of his quarrel with the military, but Trump thanked the military for acting, quote, with precision to so many recent challenges and for fighting to uphold, quote, constitutional rule of law, a clear reference to the protests. Trump said, quote, what has historically made America unique is the durability of our institutions against the passions and prejudices of the moment. Notably, Trump has eroded credibility of the DOJ, press, and U.S. institutions, and now the military, Trump brought up the coronavirus, blaming China as the virus's origin and vowing, quote, we will vanquish the virus. We will extinguish the plague. So we closed the week with 115,000 dead, um, with more than 2 million cases, with Trump cowering in the White House, with him having no plan and being totally disengaged as these crises are in our country. But some hope as... The military seems to have turned against Trump. His polling numbers continued to fall. So pray for our country and please get involved. Till next week.